You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to the Elevator's Cut. We're glad to have you. As always, I'm Jason Wheeler. We got Roger down here at this end. Jason, how's your day been so far? Any interesting encounters? Too many to count, Roger. Too many to count. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, we appreciate this is obviously part two of of our, of our series here. We've obviously. Got- our special guest. I'm sure you've read the title of the podcast before you clicked. Maybe not. I don't know. If there's anything we do. should know in this day and age, you assume nothing. Maybe it, can you shuffle podcast? Maybe you got it on shuffle. Anyways, this is part two um, of our ser- of our series with uh, with our guest Scott Hardy. We're glad to have him back. And uh, and anyways, like to get into to today's zeitgeist with let's uh, delve into the zeitgeist of today <laughs> so, so we do so scott we wanted to talk a little bit about um uh the industry obviously and the industry you know and have lived in for so long and to hear some stories and the things you can relate to our audience about um what you've seen and specifically what have you seen that makes an elevator successful and what I mean by that is what are the traits of the most successful elevators that you've encountered over time and, and uh, what kind of skills those people have to have or abilities they have to possess to, to be successful? Yeah, I think the, the yeah, successful elevator is, is a guy with a lot of skills and there's all different kinds of elevators. There's, there's the kind that, you know, try to live off of, uh, you know, filling up at harvest which is the classic model. And then, you know, there's guys that try to work on direct ship models and things like that. And so every location creates a little different situation, uh, all that. But, you know, I guess maybe when you answer that question, you look at the, the things that, that uh, don't work. <laughs> I always like to come in, come into topics like this is what, what doesn't work, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, one thing is dishonesty. That doesn't work, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, when, a, when, a, when a grain elevator guy tries to, tries to uh, explain what, how he makes money and he can't do it, you realize he doesn't have any skills, you know. Typically, the good, the good uh, merchandiser will say, you know, I trade basis, you know, or, or I, I make my money in the fluctuation of the basis, you know, and things like that. And, you know, I, I used to go into grain elevators as a, uh, a person trying to sell the concept of basis trading and, and basically sell an education, you know, and I, and that's the first question I ask him is that, hey, you know, all these bins and all these trucks are like, what's that all about? You know? And, uh, that, that was, uh, that was a Jay Leno thing. You know, Jay Leno would always, always, uh, ask his guest, he, you know, he, he'd, he'd ask something about, Hey, you made this movie. What's that all about? And you just leave it at that and let them talk. And, and, uh, so I kind of got to everybody I ever met, you know, I'd say, Hey, you know, all these bins and everything, what's that all about? You know, how, how do you make your money? And, uh, it's really some interesting, you know, you can't tell you how many times people said, you know, they make it on their trucks, 
and then I'd have to keep from laughing, you know, <laughs> but, but it's, it's not true. I, you know, I, I, I want to tell people that you're not making money on your trucks. I don't care. And, uh, but anyway, um, all that said, um, that reminds me of a story, by the way, the, uh, <laughs> I was into this elevator one time and, uh, I asked the secretary if I could meet with this guy and she said, yeah, but he's back in the back. And he's got somebody back there with him. And she looked real nervous. And I said, what is it, the cops? And she said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was actually DOT. You know, it was was the DOT guys. And the guy was obviously one of those guys trying to make money on his his, uh, his, uh, trucks. And as it turned out, after I talked to him, that's exactly what he was trying to do. And he was basically trying to run the rules. And anyway, that's an, that's kind of another story. But what happened to me in the waiting for him is kind of funny. Is probably one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in my life. And it may be one of those you had to be there stories. But um, I uh, there were two uh, there's a there's a there's a farmer sitting in there in in like in elevators. I don't know if they still do it in this day and age, but (laughs) the coffee shop, you know, it was, it was like, you could put a cup of coffee on and then farmers come in and keep you from working. And because what are they doing in the winter time, you know, and instead of anyway, there's neither here nor there, but anyway, farmers sitting there and uh, a few other farmers sitting around, a couple of them got up and left and I didn't have a seat when, when I first sat down. So I pulled out a tub of uh, beans, a Rubbermaid tub, that you know tote type mm-hmm. of thing and it, w- it was full of grain it was sitting under the grading get desk and i pulled it out and sat on it and um uh anyway farmers got up and left there's one guy sitting there and he didn't want to really talk to me and uh pretty soon another guy shows up sits down with him and uh and uh, they they didn't acknowledge i was even there and uh one, they got to talking, and, and there's a big sign on the door of the elevator that said uh, revival at, you know, the Baptist church or something that that uh, evening. So one of the farmers asked him, he said, he said are, you, um, are you going to the revival tonight? And the guy said, oh, no. He said, he said that little Smith girl's singing tonight. And he said, I'd rather sit through a dog fart. (laughs) And and, uh, and I was like, I started laughing. And when I started laughing, the tub of beans I was sitting on broke. And and I crashed to the floor. And and like I say, I hope this is not one of those you had to be there moments. But I crashed to the floor. And I was sitting on the floor, beans going everywhere. And, and, uh, And the farmers looked at me. And both of them just got up and walked out. <laughs> so I looked back over my shoulder at the secretary, and she wouldn't make eye contact with me. <laughs> so I went and found a I went and found a broom and swept it up. And you know that was the end of that. But I was like, oh, so embarrassed. But uh, persona non grata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Um, I, I guess a I guess a successful elevator is kind of leading into that is don't don't try to make money with transportation you know it's probably not uh, um, secrets the, we were talking earlier today about secrets in the grain business and maybe there are secrets in the grain business and usually it's called um, getting the railroad to give you a good ter- <laughs> a good <laughs> yeah, rate right. you know get, give sure. you a good rate and uh, and then you've got a freight advantage over your competition and and then the the elevators that 
give that away, that advantage away, you know, and everybody scratches their head. How do they do that, you know? And most of the time there's no reason to give that away, <laughs> you know. So I've had special tariffs and everything, and, and uh, of course, I've never given it away. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. So anyway, you know. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the uh, so so, but I really think that that people working on their skills, and I think there's two 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 uh, concepts on skills. You got to have basis training skills, um, and uh, and I, I I guess I go to this thing is how do you know when you've arrived on skills? And and this is a, another joke. There's humor here, but if you can tell spread jokes and they make sense. You, you've arrived, you know, you know, like, gee, I could live off the 70s corn spread, you know, you know, that kind of, you know, those kind of things, you know, anyway, the, the whole, the whole concept of spreads and, you know, I've told farmers, you know, uh, I remember one time a guy came in and I was paying like three ninety for corn and he said, I, I'm not selling, I'm not selling uh, uh, anything less than what I sold last year. So I just clicked on my, my uh, computer and said, oh, you paid you four sixteen last year. I said, I said, I can pay four sixteen this year. It's no problem. He's just going to have to deliver it in July, you know. And and he he's like, really? <laughs> so so uh, uh, I actually bought that grain. It was the stupidest wow. thing ever. And then it, as soon as we signed the price and you know signed the contract and all that, he he's like, can I start delivering that? <laughs> of course, no. <laughs> but anyway, he he's he's just trying to help you out. Yeah, just trying to help me out. That kind of thing. So. Uh, I, th I think the concept of, of if you really if you really understand the concept of future spreads, you, you know you got to get you got to become an expert on that, and uh, you can usually talk to somebody and, and realize they don't get spreads, they don't know how to use them to make money, and and all, and all of that. And uh, so so uh, I've seen people with not hardly any space make as much money as people with bukus of space, and uh, it was. Uh, nuts i actually knew the guy that used to trade for the biggest elevator in the world uh which was in fort worth i believe and he said he said yeah it's a, i don't remember how many millions of bushels the elevator was and he said yeah we made a lot of money there and i said i guess with that much space you would and he said no we only used two bins <laughs> you know so, <laughs> wow. so you know all you had, to, had, to, had enough to do was just unload that unit train you know and just go down the road he was just turning his money so it gets back to what i've always said it's all about cash flow you know how, how you use your money and you use it over and over and over and if you can fill your elevator at a low basis at harvest time and then you trade that same grain four or five times um you know those are those are the successful elevators i i I, I think they, uh, it, and it sometimes doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense, but I've seen guys with lots of space and lots of stupidity make, you know, and a lot of people with not a lot of space and, you know, lots of smarts and, and, and they make, and, you know, it gets back to the, when you're selling, don't be afraid to ask, you know, for special things and, and, and you know, to get the advantage, tie up markets, make big sales, um, you know, always have sales on, uh, that's one of the biggest things is a farmer is a farmer when he wants to sell grain he probably needed the cash last week and uh, uh be prepared to 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 say hey here's the load numbers go for it <laughs> you know mm -hmm. instead of uh, if you want to still deliver direct or you know it's it's uh I, th I think a lot of times uh when a when somebody 
when somebody is out there, um, like a buyer from a poultry company or something, and he calls an elevator and says, hey, I need to buy some grain. If you don't have a number, you just, you know, he's going to call the next guy. He, he needs the grain, just like a farmer needs cash when he sells grain. The, the, the buyer, if you get a call from the buyer, he, he needs the grain. And he's not just wasting time. And if you say, hey, you know, let me work on this and call you back, eh, it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. He's gone to somebody else. He's already bought that grain. You don't even need to call him back. Right. And uh, so I, I, I think always having the number, knowing the number, knowing the market, uh, being willing to pull the number, pull, pull the trigger when, you, when, when he says okay. And if you don't own the grain, it gives you a little bit of uh, incentive to get up the next day and buy that grain, <laughs> go, go look for that grain. So I, I always – you guys probably agree with me on this, don't you? On the if if, you, if you're not short, you, you probably you probably get complacent. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. The the uh, uh, being being short is uh, makes life worth living. Yeah. Short short the basis, you know, yeah, having more sold than you got bought. Absolutely. That, right. That, you right. want to be a good originator? Right. Go sell more than you have. And of course, everything we talk about here is totally on on the terms of basis, sure. not not price or anything like that. Because price is completely irrelevant. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I tell the story. I was fishing with my son one time. He's about eight years old and about time to start getting an allowance. And, and uh, he said, Dad, what do, you, what do you do for money? And I said, well, you know, I, uh, I uh, teach people how to buy grain at high prices and sell it at low prices and make money. And he got all red faced, made a couple of casts. He says, "How's that working out for you?" <laughs> you know, and uh, and when I've told uh, students, I, I was down at, at a university the other day, and I was telling some students that that very thing is is uh, hey, you know, if you don't know how to buy grain at high prices and sell it at low prices, you probably need to take a couple of these courses that we're teaching down there. And these guys are like, we don't even believe you, you know. <laughs> it's just like, and and the professor said, I didn't believe it either. This was an introductory class, and it wasn't about futures and options; it's just ag business. And he said, I took those classes too, it's just being as pessimistic as you guys are. And he said, you can buy grain at high prices and sell it at low prices and make money, you know. And it's like these guys just were biting, you know. They were just, they were just they 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 took the hook, I guess, is what I want to say, and they. Uh, they uh, they like how when do we sign up? When's the next course? You know because it is fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun. People that are that are good at it and have the skills you're talking about. I mean, almost I think without exception, when you talk to those type of people, they're like they just love it. And you know, some of them Peter principle into bigger jobs and they can't trade grain anymore and they're just devastated. It takes their joy out of life. You know, um, it's it's true. I I see it. and and. Um, <clears throat> but but like I said, the decisiveness uh, is is a big that's a, a big attribute for for someone to to be successful trading grain. Be able to say yes, I want that. I don't have to go talk to somebody or let me see or or any of that. I I know my number and I can I can pull the trigger. That's big and that was a big uh, Mister White thing that he always said was, you know, just make decisions and go on to the next one. And maybe your decisions won't always be right, but it's made go you now you're gonna you're gonna improve yourself by dealing with the consequences of that bad decision and it'll make you better next time yeah you have to make a decision you'll be better and anyways just make decisions and move on yeah the decisiveness is a huge a huge uh trait the uh, positive trait in the grain business uh person personal skills uh you know and something else i've seen with small elevators is Whatever you do, don't be intimidated by big grain companies. Uh, 
I just when you were talking you, about the size of the company and profitability, that's first thing that came to my mind. There's no correlation you, there. You know, more than likely, if you're a merchandiser that's buying grain and also selling grain, you know more than the person you're talking to. And just because they have a a pseudo better resume than you, then you know, it doesn't. Or you take the headlines of late. Uh, the big grain companies talking about their woes of not making any margins and despite having these big crops. And then that's what they blame it on is the big crops and this, that, and other. No, it's because you're doing something other than basis trading. If I go and look at ABC Company's contract offerings, 80% of what they offer farmers in a way of marketing grain does not allow them as a company to own basis and especially not harvest basis. So how are they supposed to make margin if they can't do that? They just don't realize that they're they're trading grain, yes, but they're not basis trading. They're doing something else, and th their contract offerings prove that. That's why they're not making any money. There's a lot of grain around. There's a lot of basis opportunity. You should be making money, but you're not. Well, don't blame it on the big crop. That's not the reason. That doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, that's probably another trait of a good merchandiser, somebody that can make money in any environment, you know. Uh, yes. I'm always discouraged when the crop is really good you know, because there isn't enough margin in it. That's, there's some truth to that, mm -hmm. but there's always margin. Always in it, you margin. Know? There's always margin in it. Uh, bad crops, there's a lot of margin in it, you know. And that kind of leads me to a, to a thought I had on how I kind of learned the grain business. And, and I started out in Southeast Arkansas and it was rice country down there. And, and, uh, uh, but you know, we created everything. We corn, there wasn't much corn down there, but it was, it was beans and, and a lot of wheat and things like that, Milo and, you know, all, all the fun stuff plus, plus rice. And so, uh, but I, I came out of the university uh, with, I didn't know what futures were at all. And was looking for somebody to teach me how to trade basis. I didn't know what it was called back then, but I, I was looking for somebody to teach me how to make an elevator profitable. And uh, uh, I was the bookkeeper at that point. And, uh, Anyway, uh, a friend, a, a friend of mine who's still a friend today, actually went went to work for uh, another company, and we were short-handed, and uh, uh, they they hired a guy, and uh, his name's Richard Graves. He's passed away now, and uh, he uh, he was a convicted felon, which is part of the story. <laughs> okay, and it's too bad that he was a convicted felon. But he was a convicted felon because he shipped warehouse receipted grain. He loaded a barge and got involved in actually a sweep that was instigated by banks in uh, northeast Louisiana. And like the sheriff's department showed up at seven elevators on the same day or something like that. And I don't know the specifics of the story. All I know is Richard didn't have a job. He was kind of destitute. And uh, the family that owned the elevator where they were good folks and they gave him an opportunity. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because Richard taught me the mechanics of the grain business, I guess you'd say, not the basis trading aspects of it, but he taught me, you know, how important it was to track origin, destined waste waste, how to make money on grades. Uh, and, you know, because he was a convicted felon, there's probably a reason for that. He's a little bit of a shyster. So, um, <laughs> you know, he would, he would, he would, he would talk about, you know, blending stuff and everything. And, and uh, we used to put, uh, we, we couldn't, we, we used to clean rice seed and then we'd put it in our Milo and ship it to, uh, to the chicken guys. And, you know, the chicken guy called me up one day and he said, you know, I'm sure this, these, uh, 
chickens like this rice, but he said, you know, could you just send me a truck of rice and leave it out of the Milo, you know? And here's Milo, you were allowed 8% FM or something, so we just dumped all our screenings out of it into that sure. and all that. So anyway, um, but the kind of the, as the story goes, uh, I got involved in, in, in uh, learning. I, gave, I was given the opportunity to learn basis trading as quickly as I possibly could. And I would fly all over the country to go to uh, Mr. White's workshops. And uh, we were coming back from North Carolina one, one night on, a, on an airplane. Richard was a chain smoker, and uh, he'd, we'd always buy airplane tickets. I didn't smoke, never have smoked, but I'd sit back in the smoking section of airplanes. This is a long time ago. And Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> this is another one of the great changes in the world. But anyway, uh, we'd sit back there, and I, we, we were flying one night, and I looked over, and he was crying. And I'm like, man what are you doing? You know, what's, what's wrong? And he said, you know, if I'd have known how to basis trade when I was in business, I'd still be in business. And he was trying to do anything he could to make a margin. And he put, he went too far, you know, and uh, he was trying to generate some cash flow, you know, but what, whatever it was, uh, he didn't have to do that. He, he, he could have, he could have easily, uh, and he was a selective hedger, you know. I had to battle all his bad habits, you know. Hey, the market went up today. Why are we hedging this stuff? Why don't Why don't we wait, you know? And he was completely undisciplined. And that gets back to the kind of your question is what makes a successful elevator? Well, you know, it's discipline. And it's boring and it's routine a lot of times. And uh, uh, I had a guy tell me the other day, there's a lot of times nothing ever happens at my elevator. He's got his son involved. Uh, with the with the elevator, and he said his son came in the first day. They didn't do anything. <laughs> he said we absolutely <laughs> didn't do anything. <laughs> Fridays in the grain business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, I I think a lot of people got sort of unfocused because of that in the old days, and they used to buy fertilizer. You know, sell. Seriously, there's an elevator that I went in and they had, they were selling dog food and candles. <laughs> it, was, it was true. And, and they were contract. Um, they decided to get into contract farming, uh, uh, custom farming, like um, a, a widow would need, need them to do it. Then they were real good at that. The problem was that the farmers wanted to buy the land so nobody would do business with the elevator because they were mad at him for custom farming. So I guess the margins had kind of gone south, and so they decided to sell candles. Well, you know, dog food and candles because those dog farts, you know. <laughs> that could be it. Those elevators weren't too far apart. That's true. And I always think that... The, the guy the circle that was in of trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was always thinking about the the uh, the guy that was in trouble with the trucks. You know, trying to make make money with the trucks. That's uh, you know, if he had just had candles, he probably wouldn't have done that. But, uh, you see some weird stuff out there. You know, when you go in those little farm oh, stores yeah. and stuff. And yeah. how how much uh, um, how much money do they have tied up in that inventory, inventory and everything? And, uh, muck boots. Yeah. Got to have some muck boots. I always think when I drive around, well, uh, uh, Kurt Swearingen, you remember Kurt oh, Swearingen? Yeah. You know, he's a great guy. He's a farmer in Southeast. He's, he's a really great guy. He says he loved to go to Arkansas because uh, uh, 
people sold stuff in their yards. <laughs> so, in Kansas, people don't sell stuff in their yards. You know, he's, I love to go to Arkansas, but he, uh, he, uh, I never looked at that as a benefit being from Arkansas <laughs> myself. Right. Really, I mean, if you want to get rid of a couch in Arkansas, you just put it out on your yeah. front yard. Yeah, nobody asked you for a permit either. Right. Just, sell just, it. just sell it, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, so, uh, anyway. I don't even know where I'm going with that, one. <laughs> but, but oh, uh, I don't know. I give up. You know, for but, the record, we yeah. should say all of us in the room, Jason, yeah. Scott, I, and Randy over here, we're all Arkansans. So just just to make sure everyone's yeah. and that's a strike up. against us, and we know that. Yeah, we and <laughs> we definitely know that we can make fun of it all we want. That's right, yeah, because we're that's, from there. That's where that's where we're from, and uh, it sort of that leads me into something else. My dad was dean of the College of Agriculture at the University of Arkansas, and uh, he got out of the war and the war, World War II, and uh, went to farming. And he told me he said uh, he said uh, I uh, got my first crop up, and he uh, he said I borrowed money from my uncle to put the first crop in, and he said I looked at that crop and I thought. I can ever get that money paid off. I'm going to get out of the real world. And uh, by that, he meant he was going to go get his PhD and become a professor. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that lives to this day. You know, I grew up in academia and, and uh, it's, uh, it's not a good place to learn to trade grain. It's, uh, it's really not. And there are some universities that teach grain trading, but they usually teach it from a speculative standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way to learn to trade grain is from an apprenticeship type program that you need to, you don't need a Richard Graves, but you need somebody that, you know, at least is knows how to, how to do the, the ins and outs of the, of the grain business and, and, and knows how to basis trade and is disciplined to do those kind of things. And, you know, a lot of people don't go to like trade schools, uh, and learn to be an electrician or a plumber. You know, they're apprentice. They, they start an apprenticeship and everything. And I'm, I'm sort of the, I, I, I'm, t- I'm taking uh, some of Mr. White's philosophies, and and he left a little money for a for a foundation. And I'm working with that for that very reason to maybe develop some apprenticeships uh, for people that are really really interested in the grain business. And it's really just out of the goodness of Don White's heart that that he did this. And uh, it's a uh, it's a challenge to to uh, to find those people. But I guess if anybody's listening to this and they got they got ideas on people that really want to be in the grain business, you know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the university and and learn to uh, write a complete sentence, but uh, <laughs> you know the uh, uh, all that is uh, is secondary. If you're going to be in the grain business, you really need to be on a, a type of an apprenticeship. And I'm, I'm amazed at some of the big grain companies. They go to the Ivy League schools and hire master's degrees. And I always wonder what the process is to get them to learn how to actually make money in the grain business, you know, and uh, I think a lot of times they sit around and, and uh, do uh, algorithms or something on options and try to explain it to a farmer. And, and uh, you know, what I love is to spend an hour with a farmer and try to explain a concept, a contract. And then he says, yeah, that's great. Can you do this in thousand bushel? You know, 
what? I mean, a thousand bushel? No, you can't do it. You can't even do it in five. We're talking all your crop. You know, I'm just, it's just such a waste of time to some of that stuff they come up with, you know. Right. Well, it's good for a few bushels. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is the contract only good for 5% of the bushels and not 100%? Red flag. Apart apart from not worrying about yields, you you know, what keeps you from if you like book half your crop? Which half are you rooting for? You, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Uh, if it's a good price, sell it. You know, and get on it. I always go back to that kind of stuff, but yeah. it's a uh, it's uh, it's a fear of commitment thing. It's a fear of commitment, and you know, a lot of people, no matter what they're in, it are bad decision makers. Sure. I mean, that's a human characteristic: bad decision. And, and it's like Jason said, if you, you know. Most people, when they look back on their decisions, it's real. The stress didn't come from the, the decision; they lived with their decision. The stress came from trying to make the decision. You know, making decisions uh, relieves a lot of stress. Okay. Well, all that said uh, about uh, getting back to to uh, skill building and those kind of things, and uh, this kind of nonprofit organization we got going to teach uh, anybody that wants to be in the grain business. Um, there's a website you could check out. It's ASC Apply, all run together, ASCApply.org. And um, there's scholarships, uh, money's available there, and uh, and we'll start uh, skill building programs for people that sort of want to be in our apprentice program. And uh, we've, we've got a lot of details to work out, but uh, for the most part, we're looking at uh, possibly a 27-week uh, program and we're going to do some uh you know work in elevators and those kind of things and some classrooms and some online stuff and try to get people a whole big mix of of uh experience in the grain business and you know we don't look at it as somebody that wants to go necessarily as somebody that wants to be a merchandiser i mean if if you're involved in banking or anything and and i want to close one thing real quick here is what we're talking about is there is so many aspects of the grain business that or that or of agriculture let's say of agriculture that involves futures and options now and uh i was talking to the i was telling you i was talking to the kids about learning the grain business from the commercial act commercial elevator uh standpoint and i think that's where you start with the, the grain business you don't start learning how to teach people to do accumulator contracts or or how to speculate on on futures and all that you start with how does a commercial elevator make money and when you when you understand those concepts you can build on those concepts but if you don't understand that and you don't have to start from there i think you're going to struggle and uh and, and you might even find yourself looking for another job that doesn't involve futures and options instead of one that does but i shared this list with these farmer uh, these uh, students at the university the other day of where you use uh commercial uh, where, where you'd use the skills of basis trading and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go through these real quick with you guys if you don't mind absolutely and uh and, and just just to kind of give you a sense of how important futures and options are uh to the world, to feeding the world. And uh, of course, the first of them we've already covered is, is grain elevators, you know. And uh, most of the most of the uh, the jobs are just big grain companies. They, they, so, so there's there. But um, 
you're going to learn all the basics at, at a grain elevator, working with it from corn to beans and rice and that kind of stuff and everything. But if you think about it, the feed business too is a huge user of futures and options. And and when you when you move, and I'm so fortunate to have moved from a grain elevator into the feed business because then I had the basis, uh, the basics of basis trading. Uh, and I moved into the feed business, and I learned uh, what I call the concept of an open hedge. In other words, um, I can hedge my corn and beans, but you know the price of feed is is maybe not elastic, or or however you'd say that. But there's there's risk management concepts in the feed business. Uh, you learn to trade proteins. You, you know, you move from the grains, and you and you get to trade proteins and all that, and. Uh, you learn the things about crush spreads and and those kind of things that that uh, you probably weren't introduced to in the in the grain business, and uh, also I uh, uh, I've had experience in the seed business and uh, uh, that too is is kind of a different bailiwick because you've got risk on the downside but you know maybe not risk on the upside as far as uh, price and all that so that's part of the elasticity of of things there. But moving on, on places you really need to know about futures and options and everything from a huge man is banking. Mm-hmm. Banking is, is just a, if you're a banker and you're loaning money to agriculture, you know, and I, I think it's funny is uh, a lot of people say uh, Euro dollars, you know, Euro dollars. And they're, oh, that's the currency. It's not the currency. Euro dollars. Euro dollars is the biggest uh, traded uh, commodity in the world. That's the biggest contract is Euro dollars. And it's, I'll, I'll let you figure this out. We don't need to have a discussion on Euro dollars, but you're, we're talking about what European banks pay for American dollars. And this is real important as far as interest rates go and all that's, all that's hedgeable. And um, so the bankers, besides loaning money to agriculture and understanding the risk of what farmers are risking, oftentimes farmers that do nothing are at more at risk than farmers that do. And the bankers need to know that they need to know how much risk they've got out there then you move on and there's the petroleum aspect of agriculture you know not only what's being used but also and and what's being used you got to understand what crack spreads are and you then you got the whole ethanol industry 40 percent of the corn crop is in ethanol and ethanol is a big user of futures and options and so so you've got a basis for that and then you go into the the feeders you know with the poultry and and all, all of those people that are vertically integrated, they use futures and options and, and all of that. And then, and then there's always like you guys as commodity brokers and they need good commodity brokers. Cause I'm not want to be negative, but there's not a lot of good commodity brokers. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy, but all the financial services and everything too, apart from agriculture, is is a futures and option thing so all that and then if you're an accountant you gotta you gotta know how to mark all this stuff the more you get it and you know accountants are probably the least trained at all you know and they're busy and they don't want to take time to learn this stuff and and then if you're trading international markets you gotta know the fx markets you, you get you got you got currency risk and and uh oh, yeah you know, just ask all our folks in ontario yeah that's a yeah, constant thing yeah if you're if you're in canada and you're you're doing business in the u.s you got you got a currency risk out there and then if you're just developing software and all that stuff there's there's it stuff that you know helps to you know it helps to know the futures and options and everything and then our favorite one 
where you really need to know futures and options is government regulators. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> what are you guys <laughs> laughing at? This is a huge. Those guys really know the, about the businesses they regulate. You know, <laughs> they got to go around and make sure all these elevators are are in compliance. And so, government regulation is a big one. And then the one we've left out, and uh, uh, probably the ones that get messed up the most, is just farming. <laughs> Sure. You know, yeah, absolutely. Farming's the last the, one. So. The, the one it was kind of established for in the first place, the whole future concept <laughs> of futures markets. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of industries need these core skills and concepts, and that's what this foundation has been. And it's cool uh, as far as this is a thing. It's not just to give away scholarships to, to college-age kids. It's for anybody that wants to learn the business, any age, any wherever you are. Uh, and, uh, so this is, he's, you're not here to sell us anything. You're, you're making an offer. I'm here to give you something. Yeah. Yeah. This is Santa Claus. And and it's not, it's not my money. It's Don White's money. And Don White posthumously wants to give you, absolutely, you know, give a certain number of people, whatever we can handle knowledge in the grain business. And that's kind of, he was, Don said there was two types of people. There's givers and there's takers. And he was a giver. Well, I think that wraps it up for for this episode, and we appreciate Scott coming on and uh, and sharing with us. We've we've enjoyed it. I think Roger and I have gotten even Randy. Randy was over here. He was cack- in the booth. It he just, was cackling just away in the box. Over doubled there. over. Couldn't tell what was happening in there. Thought maybe he choked on something. Uh, <laughs> no, Scott. Thank you so much for this. This has been well, awesome, as as always, to hear stories and and glean some of the the nuggets from your your extensive experience. It's great. Gleaning nuggets is that's Roger's favorite thing. He always tells me. Laugh pastimes, and you know, that just happens to be it. Uh, All right. Well, we appreciate it today. So, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. And thanks for listening again to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Out.